Welcome to episode 84 of the Tune Out CFL podcast. This is usually the part where we do something stupid. We play this big, long intro and, you know, the the usual for, you know, 83 episodes or whatever. But Wednesday, we learned that we lost a great Canadian, Gord Downey, Brazilian Thai, myself, Travis Curra, both big fans of him. And actually, the radio station I work for in Red Deer, Z98.9, uh, and I think the company all across Canada aired a really cool tribute all day long that I think says it better than I ever could. So I, I think I'm going to play this tribute for you right now. If you're not a hip fan, wait five minutes and uh, we'll be back to the to the talk about football. But here is that tribute that we played all day on Wednesday. If Canada was a person, of course, Canada would be a hockey player, an ex-goalie who almost made it and never lost love for the game. Canada would be a humble and gracious soul who grew up in a small town. Canada would form a band in university with his friends. It doesn't seem like we're exclusively a college band, which to me is great. And they would sing about uniquely Canadian things that years later would confuse the rest of the world. Late breaking story on the CBC. It was in Bob Cajun, where I saw the constellation. They would tour relentlessly and play every bar, saloon, and run-down hockey barn from St. John's to Victoria. They would play in famous theaters and in farmers' fields. And for one glorious night in 1995... Ladies and gentlemen from Kingston, Ontario, Canada, it is my honor to introduce to America my friends that tragically... They would play Saturday Night Live. But they always came home. To Canada. Maybe the world wasn't ready for a lead singer who told stories about killer whales, answered invisible phones as a dance move, and wildly contorted his face to squeeze every piece of meaning out of each lyric. That's what the hell is happening here. But Canada sure was. We'd like to do a song now. We don't do it too often. A song that used to kind of be painful to play is now not as painful to play because maybe it helps some people. Falstaff sings a sorrowful refrain for a boy Hitler's dream. If Canada was a person, if Canada had a name, it would be Gordon. But he'd ask us to just call him Gordon. As a kid growing up, like, what is it about this country that isn't, it's not a country, what is it? Can't tell. Gord Downey was an ambassador, an advocate, a poet, a history teacher, and a storyteller. You may be connected to somebody almost like a sister and a brother. And I think that's why Gord was connected to Charlie. There's no secret Gord told us about Tom Thompson and Hugh McLennan, about Bill Barilko and Jacques Cartier. He sang about the FLQ, David Milgard, and Pierre Trudeau. To receive the insignia of member of the Order of Canada, Gord Downey. Gord Downey was Canada. And Canada isn't the same without Gord Downey. Uh, I don't want to die and... Uh... That really scares me, yeah. Sure want to do this right on the way out so he's not worried. I can make you scared if you want me to. So at this time, uh, I'd like to call forward uh, Kola Gord Downey here. And we had a prayer leading up to, to standing here before you. And uh, I could feel his heart. I could feel his goodness. This is all nothing but cold calculation. The summer of 2016 will be forever remembered for that night in Kingston. As the final notes of Ahead by a Century rain down, and a nation wept. Thank you, Gord. We know you have to go. I am resigned to the directions this is heading, yes. Really am. It's been a pleasure doing business with you. I love you. 
And Canada loves you right back. Gord Downey. In the Huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two It Out podcast. Is it dusty in here? Oh, man. Whew. Oh, I'm cutting onions, I think. <laughs> Apparently, if you chew bubble gum, it helps. <laughs> that wasn't fair, man. You didn't tell me you were doing that. No, it, it, I, it's true. I didn't <laughs> tell you. I just sprung it on you. Oh, I'm, I'm okay. I'll, I'll, I'll be okay. Let's uh, go to the big news item of the week. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and mainly, I guess, Deron Carter. I don't even know where to start on this. It all started, was it Monday or Tuesday? Deron Carter sends out a tweet, and all it said was, it, it's been fun while it lasted. Love y'all. And that was it. And there was all kinds of speculation about what's going on here. And the, then there was a rumor that he'd been sent home. He'd been sent packing. Bakari Grant, Derek Dennis might have been sent packing as well. Uh, I, I guess there was a fight in practice. And sources are saying, Dave Naylor has said it, Arash Madani has said it, that a rider coach was egging it on. And I guess encouraging this fight to happen, I don't know what to say about this. Javon Johnson, when he got back into Regina, tweeted, or not back into Regina, sorry, when he got home from practice, tweeted out that something did happen to the extent he wouldn't say. He also said Williams did something that was unacceptable to start this whole mess. Right. Now, I don't know if Carter went to the coaching staff and said something, and they said, work it out amongst yourselves, or what the chain of events was there. But if it's true that a coach was egging this fight on, they got bigger issues in Saskatchewan than just the fight at practice. Like, as a coach, you should, like, there is no excuse for that as far as I'm concerned. Oh, absolutely. And uh, fights aren't anything new at. I mean, football practices, I know that there's not much. I mean, there is no padded practices anymore, so there's not really any contact anymore. But it's kind of funny. When you see a fight in a hockey practice or a training camp in hockey, everyone's like, yeah! <laughs> you know? But football. Oh, no kidding. But football, these guys hate each other every single play. You'd think there'd be more fights than there is. But. <laughs> yeah, it's, ama- it's amazing how how often this doesn't happen yeah but after I mean, a big hit you do get to hit them so you get your anger out a little bit that way but like i said like you said if a coach egged this on that is not good however if like you worded it and the coach just the coach just said hey go work it out among yourselves and it just got blown out of proportion to what it ended up getting blown up to then <laughs> maybe that is what happened who knows? Because when the team had their press conferences, they were clearly told not to say anything here. Oh, it was mum's the word. Yeah, no word. answers. It's it's basically Bill Belichick. We're on to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, we're not, they don't want this to be a story. They don't need the distraction at this time of year. They're they're trying to not get the crossover. They're they're trying to finish third and go through the West. They they want that. I don't, I don't know why I'd rather go out east, but it's never been done, so maybe the road is easier this way. But you're still battling for playoff positioning. This is not a distraction that you want. Whether or not it act like, okay, well, it did happen. Whether or not it's actually a big of a deal as the media is making it out to be is another story. And the me- I think they're honestly looking for stories because it's Deron Carter. I, I, I do think that the fact that it was Duran made it uh, as bigger than it needed to be. If it was, I don't know, Rob Bag getting in a skirmish with somebody, I don't know if it's really talked about. And you're right, the timing in this is terrible. When Hamilton had their fight in practice, at that point, what were they? 0 and 8, 0 and 7? And on the heel and on the verge of signing Art Bryles. Yeah. Everybody was like, <laughs> you know, yeah, this team should be fighting in practice. But the Riders have been playing good football. They won two games on their Eastern Road trip. They did lose a tough one to Ottawa last week. But the timing 
when you just lost that tough one, you're going into McMahon Stadium to play the best team in the league, you can't be fighting each other. No, it, it it's not going to, especially after practice, that doesn't make any, in the heat of the moment, yeah, okay, I get it. Words are said, maybe maybe the guy thinks you took him down a little dirty, whatever. Heat of the moment, I totally understand it, but this is after practice. You would think cooler heads would have prevailed by this point. Staying with Deron Carter, I don't know if this is mind game, mind games from Chris Jones, but he's listed as a starting cornerback this Friday against the Calgary Stampeders. If they don't move him around, he would be lining up against Devaris Daniels. I'm sorry, I don't really like Duran's chances. In that uh, matchup. Take Tavares Daniels in your CFL <laughs> fantasy lineup. So, He's going to get 30 targets. <laughs> we, we, we know that sometimes these depth charts are <laughs> they're just a formality at the end of the day. They've already said Jeff Knox is listed as a starter over Henoch Muamba. They've already said that that's a typo, that Muamba will be starting. I, I, I do wonder how many snaps... Duran's going to be seeing on defense and or offense. I, I can't see him going, you know, both ways that much. I, I'm interested to see what's going to happen here. It just screams of a Chris Jones game to me. That That's all it seems like for me. Well, in, in my opinion, he shouldn't be taking any snaps on the defensive side of the, of the football. He's your best offensive weapon. Every time you snap that ball, to whether it be Kevin Glenn or Brandon Bridge, Duran Carter needs to be on the field. 231 yards receiving last week, and now he's playing yeah. defense? What What if he gets hurt? What if, like, what if he gets hurt playing corner? Everybody's like, well, he could get hurt playing receiver. Yes, I know he can, but he's not a DB. He's not even supposed to be on the field. If he gets hurt playing DB and you lose that football game because you don't have that deep threat with Carter, well, have fun with that because you know what's going to happen in Regina with that media. It. I hope it's a mind game. I hope it's just like one series and that's it. But I have a feeling it's Chris Jones and it's going to be all night and it's going to be, he's, he's going to have these snaps and he won't. Then he'll be on offense for a bit and then they'll pull him off because he's going to need to go on for defense again. And it's just going to be a schmishmash all night. So they do have Buka lined up behind him on the depth chart. Maybe he's not ready to go. I, he's been with the Arizona Cardinals for quite some time. Maybe it is a lie and that, Jeff Knox will start at middle linebacker. Buka does start at cornerback. That takes care of your ratio, and then you just throw Carter at wide receiver. <laughs> I'm fa- did you did you just describe the greatest heel turn in CFL history? <laughs> I might have, but I mean six five is what Deron Carter is. That's not. I haven't seen the the backpedaling footwork from him to play cornerback against receivers like the caliber of Kamar Jordan and DeVars Daniels, so I don't know. I do, I've always thought, hey, on Hail Marys, why don't coaches Absolutely. just put out receivers? Because then they can Ab- catch. Yeah. But And, and you, have, you, have, you have a guy out there who's as tall as the other receivers. Like, yeah, I get, on Hail Mary passes last play of the game, I get it. But to have a regular rotation with a wide receiver playing cornerback, it just seems stupid to me. And I don't want to call Chris Jones an idiot again, but I'm I'm getting mighty mighty close. I'd almost rather see him play free safety, but then you have you know three Canadians there as well, so that's a bit of a curveball. And if he's playing free safety, he's going to be like that. Just leads to bigger hits. Yeah, and like you you don't want this guy beat up. So now you're asking him to make tackles on top of getting tackled when he plays offense. Like it. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense why you would want to increase this guy's uh, plays if it's not on the offensive side of the ball. And there has been word that the Washington Redskins are interested in Duran as a cornerback. Maybe Jones is being nice to advance his career to Washington and giving them a little bit of tape to watch him because the Redskins secondary, they have Josh Norman and not much else. But, man, I... I don't know. Does Duran jet down to Washington in the offseason to play defense? I 
don't know, but let's move that, on. That's a movie I want to see. This is almost becoming the Deron Carter podcast, uh, but staying with <laughs> uh, the writers, Brandon Bridge has been making some pretty interesting tweets, and then he tweeted that Commissioner Randy Ambrosi will be meeting with him in the offseason to discuss ratio and Canadian quarterbacks. Randy Ambrosi has made so many good moves since coming into this league, and I can't see a reason why they wouldn't change this after the season. The only thing that I don't like is the ratio getting changed. Because now, let's say you start Bridge and he counts as a Canadian, you either need to have a Canadian backup or it, your whole rotation is going to be different now because you're going to have to have a Canadian starting somewhere else. But that's a risk the team takes, right? Yes. Oh, I, I totally agree with that. But like that that's why it's not part of the ratio. I, I totally agree that, it sh- that he should be listed as a Canadian on the roster. Yeah. I don't think they should have to. I think that that should count towards that ratio, but not the on-field ratio. I don't think that's just me. Right. Okay. Because it, I, I honestly don't think it's going to make teams draft Canadian quarterbacks. You know, I don't think it's going to make them start Canadian quarterbacks either. But they should get credit for it if they want to play a Canadian quarterback. Yeah, let them throw another international on the offensive line. I don't see why they shouldn't be able to. Well, the then you better have a really good management team. So if something happens to your back or if something happens to your starting quarterback, you better have a Canadian that's going to be able to fill in at a moment's notice who isn't a practice squad guy. Absolutely. And I, I do think that, I don't know, maybe teams won't make that risk and maybe it won't force them to start a Canadian, but I, I think it could help them and maybe it is a risk worth taking with guys like Brandon Bridge and Andrew Buckley. Even even without him being part of the ratio, he should still be starting. Yeah, I, he he, sh- <laughs> he should have been starting a few games here. I, I totally agree with you. I don't know if you saw the story, but the Grey Cup was in Canton, Ohio, at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And one thing I got from this, man, is our trophy way better or what? Oh, the Vince Lombardi trophy <laughs> is so ugly. <laughs> Oh, my God. How do you drink out of that? <laughs> Your hands are going to get all sticky. <laughs> and it and it gets presented to the owner when they win. Yeah. Really? Like, the best part, though, was this past year when Robert or Roger Goodell had to give it to Robert Kraft. Yeah. I found the irony there pretty thick. But anyways. That is pretty <laughs> funny. But it just cemented, like, man, I love our trophy. Yeah. it's There's just so much history with it. And. If you know the story behind it, it it just makes it so much better. It's the tradition that comes with this league, and it's it's just awesome. And it's not something like this is the same trophy that's handed out every year. Yeah, like everybody that's won this great cup has touched it, has you know had their time with it. There's there's stories it could tell. The Vince Lombardi Trophy. There's a new one made every year. Yeah, it's just a piece of jewelry. <laughs> yeah. It's it's made at Tiffany's for Christ's sake. Now, the CFL, is it actually made at Tiffany's? Yes. Brutal. <laughs> I'm pr- I, I'm 99% sure, but... That is not you- cool. <laughs> well, I mean, it is what it is, I guess, but <laughs> it, it also costs ri- ridiculous amounts of money yeah. because of where it is built, but yeah. there's just no history... To it, like each trophy is its own. Yeah, like I don't know. I just don't like it. The CFL unveiled their list of eligible players to win Rookie of the Year. Now there's some pretty damn good rookies over the past, you know, ten years or so: Devaris Daniels, Darrell Walker, Dexter McCoyle, Brett Jones, who's crushing people for the New York Giants, playing center. Chris Matthews, Chris Williams, Solomon Elamimian, Martel Mallett, Weston Dressler, Cameron Wake, and Aaron. Hunt. Now, it has to be Richard Leonard, James Wilder, and everyone else, right? I would throw Mark and Michelle in there, maybe. And you know what? Tunaig Delique has made some big plays for the Stampeders, oh. too. Yeah, um, but I James Wilder is running away with this thing, pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Edmonton's got some good rookies too. Kwaku Boateng, Arjun Colhoun, Duke Williams, Mika Awi for uh, BC has looked good. Ty Long at the beginning of the season, everybody's like, man, this guy sucks. He's, I think, one of the bright spots in BC, but there have been some really good rookies uh, every year that come into the league and make an instant impact. But I think it's probably going to be a uh, Eastern uh, player this time around. And I don't know. They haven't won many things this season, although <laughs> they did win two games last week. So maybe we should slow our roll on that. Yeah, it's almost like they're trying to be relevant. <laughs> but James, James Wilder's averaging 7.3 yards a carry. That's insane. In 15 games, like, granted, he hasn't had, like, a level amount or an equal amount of carries in every game. Yeah. Because he's come on really strong. And maybe it's recency bias because he's been so good the last few weeks. But this is the time where you need to be good if you want your team to be successful. These are the times, or this is the time of the year that you need to win football games. So that, that's just getting, uh, it just magnified even more how good this guy is, I think couple uh, notes from Montreal. They actually did release one of their Rookie of the Year nominees, uh, linebacker. <laughs> they also released Tyquan Underwood, which I I don't know. I, I think he's a decent receiver. Uh, and Darian Duran taking first-team reps at practice this week. Why not start a rookie? <laughs> because Cavis Reed knows what he's doing, apparently. Like, <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> Things no one says. <laughs> like, yeah, you got Daring Durant's obviously not the long term answer in Montreal, and neither is Drew Willie. You started seven quarter, or you played seven quarterbacks last year in the preseason. Why not start playing them now against first team defenses? Yeah, and see what they can actually do. Like, start figuring this out for next year. You're already out. It's it's audition time. You have three games left. Like. Maybe maybe get a head start on camp and know who has a chance to be your number one next year because it's not either one of the two guys they have right now. Lions made some changes. Anthony Gator, Tony Burnett got let go. Bombers lost a couple players, but not because they were cut, because they were hurt. Darvin Adams is going to miss the rest of the regular season. Uh, shoulder injury, they should be able to get him into the playoffs, but Mo Leggett, he's gone until next season, this guy has been a turnover machine for that defense. Mm-hmm. He's electric, even when they get him on return. Sometimes doing the missed field goal stuff, this guy is an amazing. Or, player. or you know, when they fake the return and he ends up with the ball on the other sideline. That too, a big blow to this Winnipeg team. I found it interesting that they said that they're not going to rest Andrew Harris as the season goes on. They want to get him to a thousand, a thousand. But after losing Leggett, after losing Adams, I know they get Dressler back this week, and they're they're debuting Chris Givens, who used to play in the NFL. Is it wise to just keep running Andrew Harris into the ground? At this point, what choice do you have? Flanders was banged up last week, too. so Uh, Maybe not necessarily run him into the ground. You can still share carries. I know they want to give him to 1,000, 1,000, and we'll get into that. When we do, when we recap the games, we have averages and everything. But that's what this team was built on: was Andrew Harris. Yeah. Like, like he's going to get used, but it's we're getting into week eighteen. He's had a lot of touches. He's been beat up a lot. He takes a lot of hits. He's a bruiser when he runs. Um, you better hope that you're not you're not going to screw yourself over when it comes to playoff time and he's not going to be available for you. Yeah, I just think if they clinch a home playoff game, I know they you get the, rest them. They do get the week off for the uh semifinal, but uh he should probably get a little bit more rest, I think. I I said this on the podcast a few weeks ago. Chris Getzlaff returning to Regina. I can hear the excitement in your voice even though you haven't spoke. Well, he's no Ryan. <laughs> They've got some Canadian receivers hurt there. Uh, Nick yeah, Dembski. It's, de- it's a depth move yeah. for sure. Yeah, It's going to help with the ratio. Don't expect him to come in and turn everything around for this team. However, 
against Calgary in his career with the Riders, he is lights out. <laughs> yeah, he, he used to be known as the Stampeder Killer. Uh, so I'm just going to leave this here. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your call, and you're sticking to it. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to win. I'm saying he might have a big game. I don't know what it is, but he always shows up against Calgary. Is he even on the roster? I I don't even know. He's not. The, on, the, on, the only depth chart I've been able to find has Deron Carter listed at every position. <laughs> He's not on the roster, so I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he can inspire uh, Chad Owens, who is going to be actually playing his first game with the Rough Riders this well, that week. only took five months. <laughs> it totally did. In Edmonton, Vidal Hazelton is back on the field. No Markway McDaniel for the Stampeders at practice. Uh, it looks like he's probably not going to play this week. Devaris Daniels, he'll probably be back on the roster. And James Wilder has been cleared to play. Don't know if he'll be playing. I sure hope he is because, man, that guy is fun to watch for the Argos. Let's talk about last week's games. Time for the Fantasy Expose on the 2 and Out podcast. Oh, man. Those poor tie Cats. 28-25. The Stampeders win. It all came down to this. Bo hanging in now. Circling back. And Bo Levi Mitchell wants to check it deep. He's got his man. He's wide open. And now there's an interference call. Can you believe this? An interference call is going to take this ball down to the 10. And Renee Paredes can come out and win the ball game. I guess, to put it all in perspective, that play started with about eight seconds left. The Stampeders were on their side of the field. Of course, the game can't end on a penalty, so Paredes just had to come out and kick a nice little chip shot and win the game. That was some sad defense. They didn't even... Uh, just let him catch it and then tackle him and go to overtime. That uh, now, now they're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. That hurts. That is a painful loss as I've ever seen. What does the prevent defense prevent? Winning. Exactly. Winning. <laughs> Easy there, Charlie. That's so t- um, 2009 or whatever that was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and two, a lot of people, like you read on Twitter, everybody's like, well, how is that pass interference? And a, the, the safety comes over the top around the shoulder. Before the balls there, that yeah, it's pretty pretty close pass interference. He was gone by the time the ball got there. The corner covering him never turned around to look at the ball. No, how, how do you, he just how, ran right how into do you him. Play defense and not look at the ball. Like I don't I don't understand. How do you know when the ball's coming? How do you know when to put your hands up? How do you know when to jump? How, like that is not how you play defense in football. Sorry. Yeah, that was a clear interference call. I don't know what there is to yeah. argue about there. Uh, just, <laughs> I, I just noticed a few people on Twitter just be like, well, what, how is that interference? Yeah. Well, it is. Yeah, it is. Sorry to tell you, but <laughs> the only thing the only thing you could have hoped for was that you interfered at the one and make the angle a little harder for Paradise. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brandon Banks, leading receiver, had 115 yards. That's his third game in a row, I think, with a 100-yard uh, game. This guy might be, next season, he might, 1,300 yards might not be out of the question for him. And, you know, he's 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 making the most of his opportunity. They've, they've had injuries in that receiving core, and June Jones likes to, likes to throw to he likes to get the ball in the hands of his playmakers, and we see we saw that with Alex Green and C.J. Gable when Junes took over. That you know he's willing to run the ball if you can create positive yardage, and the way that they've established the run has helped them with the rece- with the pass game. And Brandon Banks with another hundred yard cat or another hundred yard game, just proving that he is a player in this league. He's not just a gadget guy or a return guy. And you know what? Uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli led his team to some real impressive drives in this one. And he he reminds me of Ricky Ray in the way that he doesn't seem bothered by anything. He just, 
he's cold as ice. Like nothing can get to this guy. And I, I did read an interesting article. Uh, I think Drew Edwards wrote it, suggesting that a few games left out of the playoffs, why not start Caleros to see if he actually is ruined or if maybe <laughs> this team has changed around him enough to see that, hey, yeah, Caleros still has it. And I I don't know if I disagree with that. Yeah. Uh, the only thing... It's hard to say because if Masoli's your starter next year, you want him to get as much reps in as he can right now. If it's going to be, if it's going to be an actual battle in camp, then it's only fair that Caleros gets some time. If Caleros is your number one guy coming in next year, then Caleros should be getting these starts. So it really depends on what they see happening for this football team next year. I would love to see Masoli take over that job. I think he's proven that he can do it. The the passing or the completion percentage isn't there, but the guy keeps plays alive. He's got a pretty decent arm. He can he can throw any pass you ask him to. And like you said, nothing shakes him. Um, Kalaros hasn't been the same Kalaros that we had three years ago. Mm-hmm. So they got to decide. They've already said they don't want to trade him or they're not going to trade him. But I, they'll trade him just probably. It's got to be in it's the, be the right deal. Yeah, and. It, it's going to be in the off season now for sure, um, but I would, I, I totally understand though getting Colaros in. And you know what? If you're not going to start him next year, you can still showcase him for these final couple games, yeah. I guess, and maybe get a trade in the works. The Stampeders also they found a spot for Terry Williams when he came out of the roster a few weeks ago and scored three touchdowns. He proved that he deserves to be on the field more, and they had him doing some stuff on special teams untouched. He had a blocked kick, so uh, I think this is a guy that we might be watching for uh, maybe next year having a bigger role in Calgary. But, man, they've got a lot of weapons, uh, whether it's Finch or Messam or Williams or... (laughs) Their entire receiving core. Yeah, or a (laughs) Delacay. They can hurt you in a lot of ways, even if their offense isn't putting up flashy numbers. They're the most complete football team in the CFL. Yeah. And it's been this way for what, three, four, five years? Yeah, it's been a Maybe while. Maybe longer. But it's <laughs> how do you stop one aspect of this team, or you're able to shut down, for example, a Jerome Messam? Well, Bo Levi Mitchell is just going to kill you through the air. You're able to shut down the passing game. Well, they got Messam and Williams now, who can pretty much take over a football game, and their special teams is is just getting better as the year goes on. So they're they are getting hot at entirely the wrong time for the rest of the league. And you need to play the perfect game against them. I guess maybe not perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect game. But you can't fumble. You can't throw an interception. You can't do any of that against them. You can't settle for field goals. Yeah, they will take advantage of that every single game. On to the next one. Ottawa gets by Saskatchewan 33-32. I think this is probably... The biggest play in the game, Brett Maher with the fake punt. Maher to punt. No, Maher. Oh, no. And he's got an open man. And Jake Hardy, the catch it gives. The Red Blacks a first down. Well, into the gadget bank for the Red Blacks. They needed a big play. And the offense gets to come back on the field. What, 425 left in the fourth, down 13? I feel like it's easy to be an armchair quarterback, but that was easy to see that it was coming, and the riders were not ready for it. Yeah, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen here. They're down by two scores, and they need, they're need. they not going to punt the ball with four minutes left, you guys. Like, you know who I blame for that, but I don't want to say it. Um, <laughs> no, it, you know that's coming. I know you can't just line up in a traditional defense for that. Um, but maybe there, there should be... I'm sure there's a special teams package where they would have, you know, guys who are good enough cover guys and not just your linemen to get to the punter. So I think, I don't know, I'm hoping signals got crossed or a play call or a substitution package got missed because that's, that's the only thing I can think of that would have, like, they didn't even try. Like, they were going after the punt the entire time. Yeah. And I don't know why. 
Cameron Marshall is going to return for the Riders this week, but Trent Richardson, you know what? 14 carries, 60 yards in this one, and he absolutely trucked Antoine Pruneau at one point of this game. (laughs) That was fun to watch. The only thing about Cameron Marshall coming back is that it's going to help with the passing game because he's such a good blocker. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you can still you can still platoon him and Richardson and get guys touches and Keenan LaFrance as you know not he's not your he's not lights out, but he's proven that he can he can catch the football and make plays out of the backfield. So it's almost like a three headed monster back there. But I see Cameron Marshall getting the majority of the snaps. But Richardson had one heck of a game for only his only his second game in the green and white. Christian Jones might be the Saskatchewan Rookie of the Year. He's actually given them a return game, so that's looked uh, good for them. But Henoch Mwamba gets an interception again in this one. Maybe it's not a good thing if this guy gets an interception. He seems he wants to pitch it every single time. <laughs> it is so terrifying. Yeah, it's a, dude, we have the ball. Let's just go down, keep it. I know. Just, no. But yeah, he's one of those guys that wants to score on every play. Which, which you know, I mean, it, it would be nice if you could. Yeah. Uh, but it just creates it might create more problems than it's worth. But uh, yeah, his second interception in as many games. So you know, the defense has been pretty decent. All not all year, but after they kind of got into the swing of things, they've been they've been a defense that can win you a football game. Maybe not in this one, giving up thirty three points, but. That's just, he's just another part, guy that can go after the football, which is nice to see. And I'm not going to blame Kevin Glenn for losing this game. There was uh, the, the, the fake punt. There was that. There was <laughs> didn't they force a turnover? But there was a roughing the passer. There ah, uh, there were so many opportunities for Saskatchewan to win this one, and Ottawa just wanted it more. That's. That's all I'm going to say on that and, game. And two coming coming into that game, TSN or Scott Cullen, sorry, on TSN had put out his power rankings and had Ottawa ahead of Saskatchewan, and of course, Ratter Nation was like, well, "What the hell?" <laughs> and then, right? Yeah. And while Trevor Harris is back, he's probably he's as good as Mike Riley. They're exactly the same quarterback. They have the same numbers. Like this, this team is good. Don't let the record fool you. They've been hampered by injuries. Um, they've got a lot you know, of weapons they, too, by the way. They got they got a ton of weapons and and a coaching staff that knows how to employ those weapons at the right times. G- granted, it's pretty easy when you have Greg Allenson and Brad Sinopoli with Trevor Harris, yeah, and William Powell running. Um, they're they're a good team, and they proved it. And if you can win close games in this league, you're going to have a really good, especially in the playoffs. You got to win close, so it's just it might be a precursor for that. Winnipeg beats BC 26-20. This was the big play from Kevin Fogg. Ty Long. Alabama, Birmingham. Bombers close to blocking that. Gathered at the 20. Little stutter step here by Kevin Fogg. Gaining the edge, and here goes Fogg. Down the sideline. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. One to beat. He's going to score. It's a touchdown. His interview with Sarah Orleski was funny because Fogg has had a bunch of returns to get called back because of a flag, and he said he wasn't looking. He was just <laughs> hoping and praying that there was no flag and there was no flag on the play. Matt Nichols, now on the prep sheet here, you wrote <laughs> the dot, 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 about 25 of them, 23 of 30 for 172 yards. I hate to say it. But <laughs> say it, say it, so I don't have to. He managed to win this game. <laughs> oh, how sweet it is to be proven right again. <laughs> Andrew Harris needs 129 yards, 
and uh, r- rushing yards and 184 through the air to get to a thousand, a thousand. You're betting, man. Is he going to do it? Absolutely. Yeah, I, they're going to. Michael Shea is going to make sure he does it. He's going to get 30 touches a game to make sure it happens. Oh yeah, for sure. The rushing yards are going to be easy. <laughs> well, not not easy yards, but he only needs 43 yards a game. For for Andrew Harris, that that should be easy enough. Um, the receiving yards, the having to catch the ball, like all of his receiving yards are all yak, right? So, sixty-one yards is a true sixty-one yards, um, and it's basically a run at that point, which he's good at. Uh, it, it's a lot of work, but I, I I'm a hundred percent sure he gets it done. The Lions gonna cut bait with Chris Williams. No, I don't think so. There's a lot of Lions fans that are very disappointed with him this season. I, I'm not blaming them, but man. Well, he started the year hurt. He did. So, you know, is he really – I would hope he's at 100% to play again. Um, football super physical. It's really easy to re-aggravate. I don't think he's been at 100% this whole year. Um, you know, if he can come into camp healthy next year with Burnham, Arsenal – well, and there, there it is. Burnham, Arsenal – and then you, and then you add Chris Williams, and you still have Jeremiah Johnson. There's only one football. Like, you're not going to have three guys get a hundred yards every night. So, maybe as he, in my eyes, he's the third option. Yeah, I think so too. Paid. I think so too. Right. So I don't know what you have to be to be upset about your number three option. Isn't going to get the ball all that much, um, and but he hasn't been good enough to draw coverage either. So I can see where they're upset with that. But if if they don't cut bay with him and they're able to figure out figure out an old line to help protect Jonathan Jennings, just a you know he needs another half a second, and you know he'll be able to put up some big numbers. And this whole team could just turn around and be a juggernaut next next season if they can stay healthy. BC is another team that should be sitting their uh, starting quarterback and seeing what they have behind that as well. Edmonton gets by Toronto thirty to twenty seven. This was a heck of a game. I think the biggest play came late in the game, a third and ten. <laughs> this is the game winning drive for the Eskimos. Need to get to the. 43, Riley with time, over the middle, what Silstrom, got him, and they're still alive with a first down at the Argo 22-yard line. And that play, actually the play calling on that drive just blew my mind. I thought Edmonton got quite lucky there. They needed 10 yards, and they were going for 40. Yeah, which makes zero sense to me. Um, like On second and 10, they were throwing the ball deep, too, yeah. as well. It's like... Why not just try to get your five or six? Like you're in third down. They were in third down territory at that point in the game. They were not punting. You can average five yards a play and still get first downs. Um, and then you don't leave Ricky Ray with any time left on the clock either. Like they left Ricky Ray a lot of time because of because of the play calling. Um, and it almost bit him. But yeah, yeah throwing throwing it 40, 30 to forty yards on third and ten—that's not a high percentage throw. That's not a, that's not the play you really want to call. But I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe, maybe Jason Moss and the coaching staff saw something in the Toronto defense, and they figured that that was their that was their best shot to make that play. So Zilstra at 147 yards—he costs just under ten thousand dollars on CFL fantasy. I'm not. Paying up because uh, it kind of screws the rest of your lineup if you do. But it's hard to argue with that salary. The guy is just lighting it up this season. Yeah, he's become the number one in Edmonton. And who who would have thought that at the start of this year? Yeah. <laughs> right? And Bo- Bowman's not even running on, on routes. Like, he's not even blocking. He can't. He can't, I don't think. He just seems to not be engaged. I don't know if he's still hurt. If he's still hurt, get him out of there. You got better options. 
Yeah, he's um, basically just a decoy right now. Right, and everybody knows that the ball's not going to him. So what's the point? They know what's going to Zilstra, and they still can't cover him. Like, and then you got Darrell Walker who comes back. First game was meh. These last couple, he's proven that he hasn't missed a step. Yeah, he's looking good too. C.J. Gable, 104 yards on 15 carries with a touchdown. Uh, this was a great game. It could be uh, a playoff preview. I do think maybe Saskatchewan is going to uh, cross over at this point. But the Argos are proving it is not going to be an easy path to go east at all. It's it's a tough way to go. Oh, for sure. And that's why a West team has never done it. You can say all you want about how how the West is the better division, how the East, you know, they've had a down decade, basically. Yeah. Toronto's won a great cup with Ricky Ray. Ottawa's mm-hmm. won a great cup with a below 500 record. Like, this is why you play the games. If if you're going to say, oh, it's the easy way to go, you're going to... You're gonna get punched in the mouth by that team, and we, we've seen it the last couple of years. The team goes in there, and it's it just doesn't seem like like they have it, like they're ready. I don't I don't know what it is, but the home team just that the Eastern Division team just well, this is our house, this is our game. That's it. We're winning this, and they do. I'm gonna we've, go- ne- we've never had a crossover team go to the Great Cup. There's a reason for that. This game is hard. It's hard to travel. I don't care how good the travel is. It's still hard to travel in this league. I'm going to quickly go over my CFL fantasy lineup for the week. I actually think uh, Jennings has actually put up some decent numbers over the last uh, couple weeks here since coming back and since Lule got hurt. So I'm rolling with him against Edmonton. He's quite cheap, 9600 I have Jerome Messam, James Wilder. Uh, if he plays, obviously, pairing up Manny with uh, Jonathan Jennings. Brandon Banks has been lighting it up for Hamilton. LaDamian Washington, he got a few catches for Winnipeg last week when Adams got hurt. He is on the roster. He's $2,500. Might as well roll with it. And uh, I got the Toronto defense. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, <laughs> but 12 bucks left over. I think I did okay. Well, I have... Not well. I have more than that left over. I got eight hundred, or sorry, two hundred and forty-three bucks. I'm going Ricky Ray. Um, he just proved again last week that he can get the job done. Uh, Trent Richardson and Alex Green as my running backs. Uh, I know I said or I figured that Saskatchewan would be sharing carries, but you know, I needed a cheap option there because I took Brandon Zilstra and S.J. Green and Duran Carter at my flex. Awesome. So I loaded up on receivers. I like it. A lot. Hey, if if Deron Carter gets a pick six, do you get credit for that? I highly doubt it. It's like <laughs> goalies getting points in the NHL. They don't count. Yeah. That <laughs> sucks. Uh, <laughs> let's pick the games. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at 2 and Out CFL. <laughs> All right, uh, heads up, something a bit different this week. All four songs are going to be tragically hip songs, so don't uh, go expecting anything else. We start with Friday Night Football. Stamps, home to the Riders. Where are you going? Calgary, for sure, hands down, no question. I think it's going to be a battle, but they're undefeated at home. Uh, They haven't lost there since 2015. I'm not going to pick against them at home. I don't until they lose. I, I they, they're averaging forty points a game at home, and Bo Levi Mitchell's never lost to the Riders in the regular season. Yep, he's never lost to the Riders. <laughs> It'd be double digits for Calgary. Yeah. Wow. Well, this song is uh, it's called "Take Forever" from now for Plan A. The tragical hip. It actually mentions Calgary in the lyrics. So listen closely. Then we have Toronto playing Winnipeg. Who are you choosing? I gotta go with the Argos on this one. They're playing at home. Ricky Ray, 
I don't think. I think the, the style we can replays. He can. He can. He's going to be able to to pick apart that Winnipeg defense a little bit, unlike the other quarterbacks in this league. And I'm also hoping because I picked an Ontario team to win that you're going to play Bob Cajun. <laughs> you know me too well, but I do <laughs> totally think that. Uh, Ricky might be torching the Bombers' defense. I might switch Jennings and Arsenault for uh, Ray and Green in this one. Yeah, it's Bob Cajun. That night in Toronto. And we are moving on to Edmonton, NBC. 8 o'clock kickoff. Where are you going? Yeah, I'm going to Edmonton. You're going I, to the Edmonton? Yeah, B, BC does play pretty well at home. They like to score points at home. But Edmonton's on a roll. Um, you know, Zilstra. How do you, how do you pick against Mike Riley and Brandon Zilstra at this point? Yeah, it's pretty tough to do that. This clip is a tribute to Elk Island Park. If anybody's driven east of Edmonton, there's Elk Island National Park. You see bison there quite a bit. It's at the 100th Meridian. And I'm not I, I, I'm not going to angry elk that. I think we I, we, I was just going to say if you angry elk that, I quit. <laughs> okay, I'm going to let that one fly. Only Gord Downey can swear on the Two and Out podcast. Uh, the final game is on Sunday. Hamilton and Montreal. Who are you going with? Got to take Hamilton. I mean, Montreal is a dumpster fire right now as, <laughs> as as we thought hamilton was all year apparently it was montreal the whole time yeah they, so I, I, I gotta go with the tiger cats on this one <laughs> they totally disguised themselves somehow as a football team right <laughs> weird uh, uh this hip song is from we are the same in 2009 it's called morning moon listen to the lyrics they definitely remind me of hamilton for Labor Day today is the first day I ain't seen a great plume of steam from across the lake. From across the lake. Of course, our picks every week are brought to you by SeatGiant.ca. You can buy tickets for any CFL game on there. Look at the tickets; they're great. They're in Canadian prices. Hamilton to Montreal starts at like thirteen bucks. You can grab them there. SeatGiant.ca. Enter the promo code Poutine. You save a couple bucks. You help out the show in the process. Uh, thanks for being patient. Uh, it was uh, a busy week again for me. So yeah, had to had to delay the recording of the show by one day. Brazilian tie, thank you. We're one step closer to the Grey Cup. Yeah. Are you coming? You sound disappointed or something. <laughs> I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Okay. That's the only... I, I, just, I can't tell you what the poets are doing. Just that I might have something in the works. Oh, yeah. All but right, I, I don't... Buddy. I, I can't reveal too much right now. Okay, buddy. <laughs> I will talk to you next week. You can like, review, subscribe, iTunes, Twitter, uh, Facebook. We're all on there. Have yourself a good week. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.